we are we're doing a, a very special episode to mark the anniversary of our podcast. We just we're we'd... here. Some of us are queer. We've made it one year. Okay. Yes. Woo. Thank you for the thank you for the very gay shout out. I approve. Um, but yes, so we're we're gonna be we're gonna be answering audience submitted questions uh, about season one um of about what has been released so far so take that with a grain of salt players when you're answering these questions um we we have gotten to in in like media res um uh it, uh Sui Fang Ji has just discovered um that they have access or she has access to a a a robot um a, a big mech suit mm-hmm. And um, and dropped down onto the street and started shooting people, and that's where we ended uh, the most recent episode. So um, <clears throat> that's that's the kind of you know the, the audience won't have knowledge uh, beyond that point. So don't answer the question uh, with anything <laughs> that's more current. Um, but with that, uh, yeah, we'll we'll get started. Um, I guess uh, I'll kick things off, and then uh, Will, if you could. Um, a question ready after Don't me. Don't worry, Jesus is on his way. All right. Uh, so I think a good question to start with is um, one from Rachel. Uh, how did we as a group come up with our characters? <laughs> um, and I'll just, you know, uh, whoever wants to answer that first. I, I come up with a lot of characters, and they're NPCs, so... They don't count. Um, the rest of you need to do the things. <laughs> We're also drinking, so that helps. So, <laughs> I came up with Sophie G because I wanted to live my best life and fulfill my fantasy of being a, like, mostly cybernetic assassin slash netrunner. And... Whatever vision that I had for myself <laughs> for being this assassin netrunner is how I came up with Sorfungi. She is inspired by all my favorite assassins. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so she's just kind of a huge amalgamation of everything that I love in, like, Space age future stories of assassins and fighters and androids and yeah, that's it. She's just I feel like I feel like if I had a sleeve of all my favorite anime characters or science fiction characters and just peeled it off and molded it into this character, it would be Sakonji. And yeah, that's that's her origin. Yeah, who is the uh, who is the picture um, that you shared with us? Like at the very very beginning, I can't remember the name of the. Um... Oh, okay. So um, also, she is inspired by an actress, and that actress is Chiaki Koriyama, also known as Gogel from Kill Bill. Um, right. I think yeah. she. I. I think she's the most amazing, beautiful woman in the world. And 
every time I've seen her act, I'm, I love her. I just love her. Okay, yes, yeah, so is inspired by Chiaki Koriyama. Yes, 100%. All right. Who else? Who else can answer? Do you want to go first, Jesse, or you want me to just spit some shit up onto my microphone? Uh, well, I'll go. Um, I wanted Abel's character to be based off of this idea that like certain people hold on tightly to um, old cultural norms and things like that. So she is. Her parents um, are obsessed with like morbid curiosities and things so she's named after annabelle lee by edgar Allan poe and um based around that whole idea uh, i wanted her character to be kind of monochromatic and um and somebody that has a strong connection with her family but also has a lot of you know issues tied with that so um, I, we haven't really explored too much of, of what kind of happened with her past before meeting up with the associates. But, um, yeah, I mean, her parents were, uh, obviously involved with the Kennedys in some way. And, uh, that, that group that themselves have their own kind of connection with the past. And, uh, yeah, she, I think Abel, um, likes kind of her persona that she's developed, but she's definitely still, she's definitely very young and still trying to figure out um, who she is outside of her own parents' perception of her, which is very much built around this like facade and like romanticized version of, of morbidity. Cool. I, I, I did not know that. This is news to me. So. That's- we're learning that's things. actually amazing because <laughs> I, I we haven't really gotten into um like her whole childhood and growing up and exactly why she ended up tied in with the kennedys but um she definitely has a lot of like uh a lot of things that she ties back with her family and with her upbringing so a lot of her standoffishness is more of 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 and nurture than really nature for her and I think um, yeah. her dry sarcasm is also kind of tied to that. But yeah, well, you know, I enjoy I enjoy the fact that there's some some like mystery mystery, um, uh, you know, with characters. It's like it's like you you can peel back the curtains, you know, to an extent. But um, part of the fun part of the fun, I think, in uh, in role-playing games is 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 the gaps the stuff that you don't know mm-hmm. yeah and i always thought that like the um the the poem annabelle lee has a very sort of it, it has a lot of nature imagery but there's also kind of these um images or, or for me at least i imagine like ruins by the sea so i kind of thought that would would fit well with sort of a, a post-apocalyptic kind of uh rebuilt world along the coast and um, yeah definitely especially for for her because uh there's a, a little bit of a history with like more of the uh, like the permaculture kind of pod civilization like like civilizations that are um part of the cyberpunk world uh, but yeah this obsession with like the morbid interaction between civilization and nature 
And then Abel just being a product of all of that and carrying it around with her every day. Yeah. I also really like how, like, each one of ours character creation, like, processes is just different, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so on that, you know, uh, what's, uh, what's Saul's inspiration? Uh, Saul was, like, a bit of a, a weird character for me. Because, like, I had, um, so for probably this is the audience um a little bit but like behind the scenes stuff before we came up with pilates we had a couple different ideas for different places set in different um cultural areas of the world however as like majority of us are white and from america we didn't want to misrepresent cultures um so we did decide on more of a, a neutral location um somewhere where we could all i guess our characters could mesh without being uh stepping on other people's toes or cultural toes per se and tell stories that weren't necessarily ours yeah um yeah i think the uh, i think the the decision that we settled on was like you know if we can justify mm-hmm placing it in this location um then, for yeah. more than just like Oops. it would be cool um like does it have to be yeah. here right and uh and the answer was no and so yeah we we i in, i invented a uh a city in um in the uh antarctic because yeah. nobody lives and there it's... so <laughs> we can't we can't possibly uh you know we can't possibly be uh you know misrepresenting a culture yeah, that doesn't we thought exist. it would just be something cool too so saul ended up becoming like an agglomation of pretty much three or four different characters that i had in my mind um the most prominent one his name was raul he was from brazil and to give like a mental image he looked very much like diego luna only with like short hair um and he was very much based off of a, a book that I read when I was a kid called The House of the Scorpion. And it was like a very dystopian, um, somewhat post-apocalyptic world. But it was all about like this old guy who was a um, like leader of like a Mexican cartel. And he had this son or grandson that would like live in his house and the grandson was the main character and eventually as you go through the story with this main character without giving too many spoilers to it even though it's like a 30 or so year old book i think at this point um you find out some pretty fucked up shit and how he has a lot of siblings and he is also a clone and those clones main purpose is just to serve as kind of like organ fodder um for old man so uh yeah i guess i am just gonna spoil it fuck it i don't care but um yeah yeah i know i know uh but i I think like um that kind of really played into raul as a character and then as we started to move away from uh i guess at least latin america is one of our choices and into antarctica i tried to combine him with another character i had for our version of uh, I think it's Night City or Dust City. I can't remember the the one from it's du- we. Yeah, it's called like the 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 official cyberpunk version is is Night City, um, but it is it is so named Dusk City in our in our game to avoid yeah copyright strike. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, so like we don't want to be sued. So what, that was another one of our choices, and like 
things that we could have built for like our city was you know classic kind of um super futuristic city on the west coast right and so like i i grab the character like kind of like the the skeleton of that character and all the personality of raul and just mashed them together and then so so said born was saul because i was looking at a lot of flannel in my uh, closet one day and i was like fuck man i just listened to a podcast about aliens and fucking shit hell yeah move on it is bitch let's do it and that was that was the birth of saul he's alien obsessed garth yeah <laughs> yeah it's lit <laughs> all right um yeah some somebody else ask a question all right let me get rngs up oh that's a good one okay so i'm just gonna highlight the ones that we've already answered on the sheet yeah that's a good good so the one that i just rolled was number six so y'all what does the cultural heritage of being settled by pirates mean for the rest of pilates at least in like your characters minds and also player mind too yeah um i'll i can start because um i mean i've thought about it a lot and uh i'll start by like saying um the original population uh, of Pilatus was very, very small. Um, you know, it's it's one, it's one pirate crew, well, fleet. So probably about like 400, 500 people uh, just kind of surviving on a cold rock. And, um, but they take with them a lot of, a lot of different cultures. And I kind of thought a lot about like Australia as an inspiration of being a, you know, a British colony settled by prisoners, essentially criminals. Um, and so it's like, you know, they, they, they wanted something. Uh, and I, and I also thought a lot about like, um, if you've seen, uh, black sails, uh, that gave me like a lot of inspiration, like, um, the Island of, uh, Masao or Nassau. And so, uh, yeah, it's like it's the these people who just basically want to escape the corporations um and and make their own like set out on their own and um so it's it's like this hodgepodge of cultures, this melting pot um but based on the idea of like, you know, freedom from um the the boot of capitalistic oppression. Um and so you could still see the stems or the, 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 the roots of that um, in the city, but it has very much been kind of taken over uh, by Militech and, and other, other country, companies uh, that have settled to kind of reclaim their land. So um, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a weird like dichotomy um, for me. And, and I, I, I'm interested to hear like what you guys uh, think about it. I think it's a cool concept in general because, like, it's to me, it I feel like it, it probably is a populist thing that persists, you know, just like how America has like pretty fucking Puritan values compared to a whole lot of the rest of the world. Um, so I feel like there probably is like some undue cutthroatness that maybe not, might not be like, let's say, based purely in capitalism but can be found in certain um companies and how they interact down in pilates 
and also just like in general the willingness to just make sure crime is done in the right way i guess where you know it's not so much an afterthought or sorry it's not so much a uh, forethought of should we do it it's more of an afterthought of ah you know that was done okay yeah yeah i think the donatis are, are a prime example of like the the most of the corporations just kind of let them fucking operate because it's it's not chaotic system you know the 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 capitalists value order in in this format and so it's just like hey you're not stepping on our toes um you're keeping the workers in line i don't have a problem with you um which i think is is different from western culture in some way um but similar in others i'm I'm, i i think as well I can I can see that actually. Like I I always thought of Paletes as like this world where corporations have become government <laughs> and kind of I don't know, I, I feel like and I don't wanna sound like a conspiracy theorist or whatever, but I feel like that kind of foreshadows the future that we can look forward to. Uh oh. But not, like, look forward to in a positive sense. Just where you see how corporations, like, begin to grow or begin to grow and influence government. And this is kind like, the way I see Pelez is kind of the peak of that, where they just call all the shots and make all the rules. And, like, depending on which corporation you're aligned with um whether they're like the most powerful or affluent or have the most reach or whatever it kind of gives you an idea of their style of how they maintain control over wherever they're operating or like their workers and such yeah, and I th- I think that's a good uh, segue into um, another question, um, unless unless uh, Jesse, unless you have anything to add before we go to the. Yeah, I, I mean, I was just going to say it's a, it's a turf a turf war on steroids where there is no like in modern society, obviously the uh, sort of local government and. Uh, government in general, especially federal government, has a lot more um, power and influence over the way certain things are done and access to um, materials and influence in order to maintain their agenda or maintain order or whatever you want, whatever, however you want to kind of view it. And in Pilates, because of the way that it was founded, that playing field is much more level. And we obviously see that with the way things are going down with uh, with Skeleton and, and the, the Kennedys and with the PCP in general. Um, and that's why, you know, that's why Abel has her certain opinion about uh, about the PCP, because she doesn't, she just views them as one other gang in the turf war. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and she sees that because there's no, she doesn't see how they could ever have any sort of legitimate sense of responsibility when they can't maintain order, or can't maintain anybody's safety, and so it's up to everybody's individual 
um, ability to kind of form the relationships that will maintain some sort of safety. Yeah. I like how that's like an undercurrent too of like our entire game is like just everybody because of how capitalized everything is we have to like i think a major goal not only for let's say our characters and the associates but like in the greater world itself like trust is at a premium at like a major premium so i just like that i like that as a concept because you know it's it's very easy in in role-playing games especially in like a fantasy a fantasy sense where it's like you're thrust into a tavern you guys survive for a bit and your characters all start to like trust each other and you guys are friends but it's it's a whole different i think thing when like we're starting to trust each other but we don't but we do and it's it's a lot of very fun complication that like we have to figure out yeah and and i i love the i love that you you bring this up cuz you know D&D is a game that's it's very much like yes you're an adventuring party and you cooperate with each other because your common good your common goal is like you know killing monsters getting loot saving the world maybe um but in in Pilatus in in cyberpunk your your common interests might or your common interest might just be like in this case hey we all work for the same company um and they send us out on on missions and we're supposed to cooperate with each other we might not like each other uh which is is why and i will never like not love that that jesse just decided that we were called the that you guys were called the associates because it's it's such a perfect it's such a perfect name for this group of people it's like you aren't friends you sometimes tolerate each other uh but there's always this bickering there's always these arguments and the only thing that's that's tying you together is you both you all go to the same fucking job in the morning and that's it um and so there's 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 cooperation because of a paycheck um and nothing else and everyone else has their own sort of agendas and and um loyalties um but we are starting to see like as time goes on it's like the more you cooperate with each other the more these bonds become like permanent i agree i think it's i think it's just fun um yeah i can't say too too much because like it's kind of foreshadowing stuff that has not happened yet but i like um I like the current dynamic of where our characters are at the moment while we are recording. Yeah. 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 I like that a lot. Good. Good. What I like the most about it is it kind of demonstrates how no matter who you are or where you are in the beginning, when you start off as a group or a team, like you're all basically associates. Like you don't, really know how to coordinate with each other to become an efficient team until you build that experience, you build that trust, you know each other, like, what gets under each other's skin, what makes each other tick, like, but also, like, what supports the part part of your team, and it's 
it's it's fun for me to go through that because to me I feel like it like helps us develop our characters that much more and we're able to like form who our characters are based on those interactions and I mean I, I don't know from that it just it makes me feel like our characters become like that much more like authentic and it's and it's interesting to see that relationship build like from the very from the very beginning and see how how like where it goes from there it's just that's that's extremely fun for me i love that yeah um all right so we probably need to move on uh to the next question uh uh jesse or demi i'll read off or else I'll, I'll pick one let's see let's see uh hey will Yar. How do you think Saul feels about how he's switched bodies? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I don't know. Saul, I feel like Saul is still Saul, right? Like, he definitely has the same mannerisms and stuff. I feel like he's a little bit... uh, He feels a little bit more, I wouldn't say unhinged, but... I guess he has less inhibitions now mm. because fuck. I mean, if I die, I can just come back. Hopefully, I. I mean, I don't think Saul necessarily is gonna go head first into like machine gun fire, but at the same time, I don't think he's super concerned about um just what happens to him necessarily, and I think he is more willing to take dangerous risks or just uh act a little bit more on impulse um yeah there are i I think we've had at least yeah there are a couple episodes where it's like he's starting to like do a couple things that he definitely hasn't done with his past body which is like you know drink more alcohol like smoke a bit um definitely stay up later at night and go on crazy fucking i mean well well, is this what a sugar rush feels like, guys? Oh my god! Yeah, exactly. Holy shit! New Saul is down to party. <laughs> Holy shit, dude! Like I'm ready, ready every day, bro. But I don't know. DFW. <laughs> I always denied myself fun <laughs> Why did I ever do that? Well, that's because Grandma like told me that I couldn't have it because every time I did, I would end up like you know making firebombs in the basement and she said no no Saul don't do that it you know takes up a lot of money and time to clean up napalm burns and I'm like but grandma it's sugar and she's like oh snookums don't do it again your grandma's just like a, a Samuel L. Jackson why are your eyes fully black grandma why is your face all pale and gray and where's your nose words of grandma to be feared oh god my grandmas are gray oh fuck yeah but <laughs> essentially i feel like he's he's a little bit more unhinged if that's not the best like term to describe it but that's how it feels at least like trying to play him so yeah yeah, well, you are the only player that's, or you're the only character that's died so far. <laughs> uh, so you have a unique expect or perspective where it's just like everybody else is like mortality. That's the thing, right? And Saul's just like, nah, fam. 
I, I, I eat one too many hamburgers, I'll just blow my brains out and start over. It's all good. Hey, as long as you got candor and you text her where our coordinates are, we can technically drive our entire selves in like a tank into a building and just go boom. See, Abel does not <laughs> trust candor, so let's say no, fam. <laughs> Abel trusts candor probably less far than she could throw her. Hmm. Uh, Which yeah. is actually probably pretty far because I'm assuming she's like a wispy teenager girl. Mm-hmm. I would just trunchful her ass. I always envision Kendor Candor as being kind of like um, not not stocky, but like uh, I don't know, kind of just like she's a bit she's a bigger girl. Okay, in my mind, I have very much because find- every time you talk. Every time you talk like her, I envision um, uh, what's her face from Parks and Rec. So, mm. oh, oh, Audrey, oh, Audrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, so that's, I love Aubrey Plaza. That's well, I do too, and that's probably you're probably right about that. I, I am definitely drawing inspiration. There was a there was a um, there was like a shop clerk um, at the at the there was like a you guys stopped like a, a robbery mm-hmm. sort of oh yeah i remember she her. like yes. she like bludgeoned the guy with a fucking baseball bat that character was audrey plaza um and i i kind of candor is different in a way because i think like and this might not be like perfectly like abundantly clear but she definitely has ptsd from the heist and is sort of like de- terrified of of being in a field mission again um so she's got that going on and there's she's got some some boy some boy problems um uh but anyway i, okay, I digress so- uh demi ask a question okay um okay before i ask this question i just want to go on the record and state that soifunji uh doesn't exactly trust Candor either. So Hoji feels that Candor is much more clever than she lets on. <laughs> and we we give that kid too much power. That's interesting. Yeah, and, I like that. And I didn't always, know that. And always watching like Candor from a peripheral. Like <laughs> I just want to go on to state that. And okay, like that was like, that was one of the only reasons that Abel actually invited her over it was sort of like a a, a trust play because keep your friends keep your enemies closer yeah. kind of yeah thing. i was like let me see how this kid acts when she has some sort of sense of security oh she like goes and invites a boy over okay so she has a self a self-serving streak all right i believe it <laughs> i believe it she's worried about herself before anybody else okay and I also feel like I also feel like Candor has has a secret mission that is known only to her. Mm-hmm. I do, so I feel she doesn't know what it is, but so I feel she like has has suspicions. Look at all of us fucking <laughs> being, you know, suspicious of like uh, what sixteen, seventeen year old teenager, and then all of a sudden she's sixteen. 16 and then at the uh, at the end of the game. It's just like, no, guys, I was just quiet because I had PTSD, literally. <laughs> well, I think I think all of our characters have kind of 
we know that the only way to survive in this sort of environment that's built around us is to you pick yourself first yeah. because if you don't pick yourself first you're going to be dead oh yeah so, right yeah uh, i mean Abel saul didn't saul didn't pick himself first uh once and, and <laughs> we'll see Died. how that happened so um i mean abel knows that and abel's the closest in age to candor so she's like hyper aware oh definitely yeah. that um oh it wasn't that long ago when i had this kid's mindset and when i had that this kid's mindset i was working for a gang so okay like yeah. abel abel is uh it's very much that like older cousin like i know you you little shit <laughs> kind of thing yeah i i love this um we have answered three questions and it's been 35 minutes oh, fuck. so let's uh okay yeah demi Okay, like, I'm gonna ask this question because I'm curious about it, and I want to know, but Abel, like, are you, is, is Abel ever going to pro, um, profess her love for B on her own, or will it be because of circumstances that force her to? Ooh. Oh, well, The situation as it is, I think Abel is trying to triage uh, her life at the moment, um, and is not gonna try to, you know, open up new wounds when she's obviously already bleeding out in other ways. So, uh, long answer to the short question is no, unless unless something. Uh, major were to happen or if uh, basically a Abel at this point is hoping that um, B will distance herself as much as possible from Abel's life because she's already seeing how um, even if like her choices aren't going to lead to um, issues in B's life that uh, obviously like she could still be collateral damage even even for the most kind of insignificant situations. So and she she knows that in her life there are not insignificant situations that she's already wrapped up in a number of of things that could very easily put her in danger. So I think what in what we'll probably see is Abel's just gonna hold on to hold on to that um for a very long time and um, just use that almost as a an excuse to not sort of get connected to anybody else ever again. So we'll we'll see how that works out for her. I I feel that I honestly feel that like and I respect it and I'm I'm excited to see like what will unfold in the future. Like, if, if B's the big bad, she'll, uh, <laughs> Abel will probably totally use it to her advantage, but... Uh, only uh, survivor. Like, uh, <laughs> yes. Abel the only survivor. Um, but um, she basically is going to have the mindset that um, she doesn't want anybody close to her that's not expendable. And at the moment, uh, her associates are still in that expendable range, so... Wow. Yeah. That is 
That that's so interesting, and I just I I say that because I feel like I feel like Soifunji is very similar in that respect, and that is a like parallel between the two that like I had very really considered, and it's it's interesting. It's interesting to see like parts of ourselves that are like similar to the associates that could like serve as a means of bonding but also, like, serve as a means of, like, keeping us all apart at the same time. It's very, mm-hmm. it's, it's very interesting, like. Yeah, they can very easily work against our ability to, uh, you know, to jump for right. each other. But that's also because Abel sees, you know, the only person that Abel would sacrifice herself for, or the only people that Abel would sacrifice herself for, um, are obviously already entangled in um, in a mess, and uh, she's kind of for her. She's seeing that as a lesson in well, this is what happens when you get attached, kind of thing. So um, she's she's having that sort of like almost um, self sabotage response to trauma. Well, not almost. It is a self sabotage response to trauma. Very, very human, and I, I, I like that. And like, especially in such an age of technological upgrades, where like a lot of us exist as an entity that is more machine than human. Just seeing those snippets of humanity, I feel like are very powerful symbols. So I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, um, that's a that's a good. That's a good talking point uh, to answer this next question. Um, Demi, which of your cybernetics would be, or would you be least and most unwilling to revert to meat suit and why? Lord. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um, I would have to say that the one, like, cybernetic that would be least and most unwilling to revert to meat suit and why would have to be... Oh, God, it's, I feel like it's a tie. It's a tie. It's a tie between my, like, spiked heels or my shark skin. Like, I feel like... I I, but I guess I have to choose one. I feel like... I feel like I couldn't exist without my shark skin. Like, if I just had a regular, regular arms, then I would... That's surprising. I would feel like... <laughs> I thought for sure that you would choose the spiked heels. Like, I, I just, I feel like I can get some boots with spikes. It'd probably be okay, but my shark skin, I feel like it allows me, and like, like this is from the perspective of Soifunji. Um, so Soifunji feels like her shark skin makes her into. An apex predator. I know it's so when she's working on it. Okay, <laughs> but like she Say feels yes. that <laughs> she feels like her shark skin makes her an apex predator. She loves the freedom of movement that she's able to, um, like I guess facilitate with her shark skin. She loves how versatile it is and how she's able to use it. And feels like if she was ever in a situation that required, like, a lot of tact 
her shark skin would be the most versatile tool that she had to allow her to complete whatever mission that was. So, I'm gonna go with shark skin, for sure. Alright. I absolutely have to pee like super hard so um i'm gonna be i'm gonna go for just a second and i'll be back but think about think about what questions you want to ask next okay bye Jesse got to be back in just a second. She ran to the bathroom as well. Ah, uh, yeah, that's all good. I mean, it's it's part of, part of the part of putting a lot of lot of alcohol in your body is it's gotta come out sometime. All right. Oh man. Because I've had two, I've had two hard seltzers, and I'm now almost through this delirium. I'm actually looking up the answer to what does penguin meat taste like on Quora. Because apparently there's somebody who has answered that on Cora. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Oh. I feel like penguin meat would be very gamey. As far as, penguin. As far as taste goes, apparently you can expect most penguins to taste like beef or oily chicken. However, some individuals have oh. described, them, described the taste as fishy. A lot of people do like to mix the meat with beef, fish, and or duck. However, to make sure you reduce the fishiness, you have to get rid of every last remnant of blubber. Otherwise, the food or will have an soak ab- it in milk. Bom- the saddest, the milk? saddest, the saddest part of this is that there is an answer, and somebody's like, "Yeah, I've, I've, eat, I've eaten, I fucked with penguins." Well, there's like, there, okay, what? so there's, there's a legit, <laughs> there's a legit answer from like some dude who. Philip G. Law, leader of the Australian National Antarctic Research Expedition from 1949 to 1966, says in his logbook, and then it's just like the copy of it from the logbook. And then there's a bunch of other people who are just like, "Yeah, bro, I ate some penguin before." It's like, <laughs> I honestly, Fuck. I don't I have honestly, that. Yeah. I honestly feel like it went down like they were all just like sitting like on a like ice cliff watching penguins. And then they're all just looking at each other, and they're like, has anyone ever eaten a penguin before? And they're just like, uh, no. Listen to this and guy. Just li- Listen to this guy. His name is John Quo, and his subtitle says, known to have cooked 500 sausages in under two hours on several occasions. Original answer, is penguin meat tasty? I don't know about penguin, but I've been told firsthand that puffin is rather fishy and or gamey, but I have found it to be completely and utterly rich. It's pretty commonly served in the Iceland. Here's an intro to Icelandic food that I wrote two years ago. Picture of the <laughs> puffin menu. And it's just like, <laughs> the internet is a beautiful and terrible place. I mean, I lost interest in Icelandic food when I watched this documentary on Icelandic people making poisonous shark fermenting them for months and eating it and I was like nope <laughs> <laughs> I'm good alright 
Next next question, I guess, since I, you know what, I'll just mark off the penguin taco one. Yeah, yeah, you definitely answered that one. Um, just to give it clarity, Daniel, I think penguin taco would actually taste really good if done well, but like most food, it has to be done well. Simple as that. I mean, <laughs> short short answer, short answer, street taco, fucking delicious. Yeah. Like like store bought, hell no. No, no like <laughs> I don't think I could buy like. I don't think I could buy penguin meat and then cook it to the same quality that like street taco could be. So definitely buy Girl, fresh you on have the street. To soak it in milk. I do, what? I don't. I I believe you, Jesse, but I also don't because you're a capricious, demonic chaos demon. Sometimes, if you take any sort of gamey kind of fish and you soak it in milk for a little bit, it removes the fishy taste. You do that with like catfish. I, I trust you on this, but I also have a part of the will brain that says, remember, remember, this is Jesse. Be weary. When have I ever led you wrong? I think you're thinking of Bucket. You've never led me wrong, but sometimes the characters you played have hurt me on the inside. Okay. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I've got right. to let get it out somehow. That's good. That's fair. That's very All right. fair. All right. Uh, Jesse, uh-huh. question? Uh, I asked the last one. I'll oh, you ask did? another one. Yeah, here you go. Um, what is your favorite voice to do, and why is it Kissy Kate? <laughs> um, I've been I've been waiting for this question, honestly. Kissy Kate. Okay. Um. So also, also addendum. Why do you love flirting with Will so much? It's not so much that I love flirting with Will. It's that he's the only male character. And Kissy Kate's probably straight. So, but, but see, it's not just Kissy Kate though. There's been many instances, and maybe I'm just crossing wires here. But there's been many instances where you I have like playing female engaged. characters, and that's the problem. But uh, okay, so <laughs> Kissy Kate, Kissy Kate, she's inspired by. Um, Please if say you the play, slug lady from Monsters Inc. Not actually. I wasn't thinking about her. And that's that's crazy to me because yeah, obviously. But no, um there is a character in um the Nino Kuni 2 game. Uh she's a librarian. She's got these huge red lips and like definitely a smoker voice and I pull she is who I pull when I play Kissy Kate. <laughs> the 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 inspiration is just like every like fucking 60 year old I've smoked too much in my life and now my voice is absolute gravel um but also like hypersexual yeah she's your your favorite waffle house waitress oh yeah 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 she yeah. is the reason you go to Waffle House at 3 a.m. not because but- of the food not because you're drunk but because you're craving some sort of like erotic comfort but that is i mean she's just she's my antithesis she's so opposite of everything that i am as a person i am not erotic that I, or comfortable that i just i love it i just i i am a kissy kate simp i love kissy kate like my my most ancient moment in our entire storyline that's good because of how much I love Kissy Kate. Yeah. Thank you, you tall drinker ass. <laughs> tall drinker ass. 
I was going to say the answer to why Gavin as Kissy Kate always hits on uh, Saul, Will as Saul is we look identical-ish. People would confuse yeah. us all the time for- back at, at work. So, you know, it's like... We are brothers, it, basically. It's the classic... If you ever came across your like clone, if you ever came across your clone, would you fight him or fuck him? Obviously, we know Gavin's answer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right about that, huh? Uh, okay, next question. <laughs> All right, let me uh, let me go ahead and give a roll on the RNG. Jesus. Okay, um, this is another Gavin question, I guess. Um, Gavin, which associate is the hardest to plan for? Oh yeah, um, so I have. I mean, all of you guys are. You present your you own unique challenges. Um, I think my my honest answer is Abel, and the reasoning is because that Jesse is just such a deviously ingenious player that I find it hard to sneak anything past you. Um, Good. Yes. Yeah, completely. Like, it's it's just like, I feel like you're two steps ahead of me, and that's a problem. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, uh, Soi Feng Ji came with her, it came with a, ver- a very, like, detailed and immaculate backstory, um, which I was like, okay, so I'm going to have to incorporate this, and I don't know how, and that's scary to me. Um, so, so that's, that's the challenge that I get from, from Soi Feng Ji. And, and I, I definitely want to do right by you and like make your, make your character development and make your storyline, like have meaning and have depth in a way that's enjoyable for you as a player. Uh, and so like when you came with like all this, all this like detail, um, I was I was just like this that's that's gonna be a challenge um and so definitely for for soy Feng G, I, I found that was uh that was hard uh Saul's pretty pretty easy to manipulate um hell yeah he's, he's, Fuck yeah as a char- as a character because he just kind of internalizes everything and and sort of just like compartmentalizes all all emotion and reactions to you know new situations uh i feel like i comfortable throwing anything at saul and saul will just kind of like melt under the pressure over time yep, yep. uh which is which is great with you know that's as a dia as a game master that's what you want you want a, a character that's like huh you, you, okay you just gotta keep on repressing and repressing and repressing and repressing until one day you break that's yep. what my therapist says. So that's 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 the answer. Yes, all of them. <laughs> Beautiful. I dig it. Yep. I dig it. And like I just had too much fun making so fun G and I'm sorry that I spent so long creating this. No, it's it's like, completely <laughs> It's completely okay. It's not a it's not a flaw. It's not a flaw. It's just it's a it's it's a challenge for me, and that's okay. Because I like being challenged. Oh, I will always have many more details if you need them. I know you will. I know you will. I have more. 
Oh, you only got you only got the three page backstory. Oh, that's a mistake. I had a six page <laughs> one that I had planned, but okay. Listen, listen. Okay, okay. So, all right. I <laughs> there's so many things I want to do with Sakura that I just need to calm down. Okay, okay. I just she definitely. Have y'all ever heard of, like, Lady Snowblood? No. I'm not gonna go any further into it. Just watch Lady Snowblood if you go to chance. It's so good. Alright. Alright. Abel, would you rather fight ten small souls or one giant Sufengji? Ten small souls. (laughs) Hey. Any day. Yeah, I mean, that's true, but still. Any day. I would just grab one or confuse one. Like, I just have to focus on one small soul. And um, either hold it by the ankles and use it as a baseball bat to take out the rest, or confuse it to make it think that the other small souls are grays out to get them. I mean, that's um, that's a very apt plan. I th- and they will just turn on themselves. I think raising one soul above the rest and like talking in yes. a high pitched voice and saying like, "I am the mega soul. I am a god among all other souls," would also like form a cult and or like a, a anti cult conspiracy theory within the rest of the small souls. It would it would devolve quickly and it would be interesting. Yeah, I would just convince it that it's like a Highlander situation. Like there can only be one. Oh, for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile. One giant Sui Fang Ji is... It's not... Uh, it's a nightmare. It's it step, yeah. step on me, mommy. I wouldn't know whether... Yeah, I wouldn't know whether to, like, try to woo, or try to run, or try to poop my pants. I feel like the wooing would work. Yes! <laughs> there you go. That's all I need. That's all I need for the night. I'm gone, guys. Bye. Bye, peace. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, just just come with one good himbo and you're fine. Yeah, we're we're, we're good. Um, no, for, but for sure, I would just have to. Uh, yeah, I would just have to do that. Uh, <laughs> one giant Saul or ten small Sufangis still. A one giant Saul. Yeah. Sorry, Saul. Saul so, so is easier to fight. What can I say? Especially if it's somebody that Saul knows, it's much easier to fight Saul because Saul inherently trusts you if he knows you somehow. Yeah, he's just yeah, he's too uh, yeah. too mentally and emotionally squishy. Oh, for sure. Physically, I'm, I'm sure he's a solid individual, but mentally and emotionally, he's a. You can take a couple bullets. That's all that matters. Overripe orange. You can't take emotional bullets, but he can take physical ones. Yep. All right. Uh, so why don't you do um, either one or two? Alrighty, yo. I guess I'll go with two. So, as a group, guys, are there any missions that we think that we could have done differently together, or that we regret doing, or is there anything that like? thinking back in hindsight could we go back and change about how we you know did them Abel's still mad that she didn't kill Jackie when she had a chance I think that's that's the only thing that like Saul is actually upset with too because I think even with like Saul dying and stuff I I don't think Saul would go back and change that I think the only thing that in honesty anything that has gone wrong mission wise that Saul can like point back and look at fully is either that or the um post rebody gun deal but probably honestly killing Jackie cuz fuck her right yeah 
Yeah, and Abel sees that as like the beginning of the end, basically. So that's where everything starts to kind of deteriorate. So for, if she could go back and kind of re fix that, mm -hmm. then maybe she would have been able to like pay attention to other things going on. But uh, yeah, see, or she would just if Abel could go have it do backseat, she wouldn't make the deal with Sahara in the first place because this this all wasn't what she was expecting. Because that's fair. What about you, Demi? What do you think Soft NG would okay. do? Okay. Okay, so. <clears throat> Surf NG, like, prides herself <laughs> as a very, like, like morally sound individual. But what? not in. Morally wait, 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 wait! You wait, stole an old wait, man's wait, arm! Play. Wait, 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 wait! But in a sense, in the in sense of, like, like, not conventional, like, morality as, like, distributed by, well, like, Fucking obviously society. not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but in a sake, in a sake of, like, assassin's morality and when it is moral to, like, destroy, like, someone. So, for like, like, prided herself on that. But, as you've already stated, like, Sofoji did have a moment where, for, where Sofoji felt like she ain't shit. And, <laughs> and that was the moment when she stole that man's leg. Like, <laughs> 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 at that moment, like, Sofoji was trying to just complete the mission because she was thinking of the bigger picture. But, <laughs> but in that moment, the whole time she stole that guy's leg, all she could feel like well, so she ain't shit. She still wants somebody's <laughs> leg right now. <laughs> I, I trained my entire life to be an assassin. I was raised by nothing but and assassins. And this is the shit I do? Right, I'm still in a fucking leg as a side mission. It ain't even a main mission. <laughs> so. so it was less like stealing a leg and more of like being underfoot. <laughs> <laughs> having to deal the, the having to do just, the fucking minimum wage job when you have like a PhD in assassinry. <laughs> it was just it was just this man was was hopeless and harmless and like for the sake for the sake of completing our mission, so for you felt like his sacrifice <laughs> felt like his sacrifice was very heavy on her soul and. I just feel like, I feel like the only thing worse, Sarfoji feels like the only thing worse than, like, stealing this guy's leg is if she, like, went to the grocery store and the clerk asked her if she wanted to donate her five cents to, like, help children in need, and she said no. <laughs> but, then, so, but then the clerk asked her if she wanted to buy a bag for 35 cents, and then she said yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that analogy, because it just Brutal. <laughs> and Sofoji uh, feels so much shame for that mission. So if Sofoji could, she just wouldn't have stolen the leg in the first place. <laughs> oh my god. And I think I think that is I think that is Sofoji's like the biggest regret. Like since like 
the associates got together. However, there is a close second. There is a close second. And that is the mission. Like, there's actually Sarfoji's personal mission. Like, Sarfoji kind of, like, in the back of her mind, like, wishes that she could have, like, facilitated, um, Candor's, like, mentor's escape instead of getting him to Sahara. Um, but there wasn't much Sarfoji could do in that situation. Like, she had to bring a body, and she understands that, but if she could have, she would have facilitated his escape. Like, and I think, I think, yeah, that's it. Definitely the leg stealing, though. Like, yeah. ain't shit. <laughs> Just ain't shit. <laughs> that's fair. That was a pretty, like, randomly low point. But hey, we got to meet the fucking, we got to meet the fucking Red Hots out of that, so that was pretty cool. All right. All right. So... Like, still worth it, but <laughs> so much thinks about it. Yep. Yeah. Who wants to ask a question next? I'll go. Um, RN Jesus, power. All right, five. Demi, what has been the most challenging part of playing a netrunner, and what has caught you off guard the most playing a netrunner? Okay, so this is. There are. Okay. Most challenging. I'm going to start with most challenging because there's a lot of interesting aspects to playing a netrunner. I would say the most challenging part of being a netrunner is figuring out how the hell I can be useful in a situation that doesn't involve netrunning. <laughs> and trying to make my trying to make my character like like well-rounded enough to still be of assistance outside of the situation and doesn't immediately require net running. I would say that's the most challenging. Um, I feel like besides surfing the net, like, I can do some hand-to-hand combat and shoot and, like, but aside from that, like, the majority of, like, my skill skill sets are definitely intertwined inside of net running. Um, now, in terms of being a net runner, I feel like one of the more challenging things about it is like trying to remember all the net runner lingo, which I suck at. <laughs> and also <laughs> making sure making sure that I have a like versatile enough deck that will allow me to, like, get through whatever I need to get through while net running. Um, because there's so many different things that you can do with debt building. Like, do you want to focus on defense? Do you want to stay undetected? Do you want to move silently? Do you want to move quickly? Like, what are you going to do if you encounter this program? What are you going to do if you encounter that program? And you really have to decide, like, what your play style is going to be in line of using, in line of using your deck, because you only get so many, you only get so much, I guess, RAM, and how many, like, different, like, programs you can use. So, um, it's always, I would prefer to, like, do reconnaissance first to try to get an idea of what I'm dealing with in terms of what I'm gonna need for building a deck, or, like, just kinda, like, pick these programs and hope 
that they're gonna pull me through and it won't be something that the program can't be used for. Um, aside from that, um, I guess, like, net running stuff pretty fun, but I would say those are, like, the biggest, like, things that I find the most challenging in terms of using a netrunner. The caster, the classic, uh, caster class problems. Do I have enough, uh, do I have the ability to cast all these, do all this stuff? Yes? No? Maybe? Shit, I have to plan? Why, oh fuck, why, oh why did I prepare this today instead of the other thing? Yeah. Yeah, Like, and it's all about, it's all about, and, and, and like, what I've noticed is, like, do I want to build a deck around being versatile? Or do I want to deal a deck about being, um, like, build a deck around being, like, efficient or quick? So it just depends on, like, my approach and how I want to approach this. Oh, aside from that, like, I'm, like, hugely enjoying that running. It's really fun. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think everything yeah. else, I think everything else is pretty manageable. I just think those are, like, the biggest challenges. Yeah. Well, I definitely wanted, um, to, to that, to that effect, I definitely wanted, like, you know, if you pick, if you pick the wrong deck, there, there needs to be consequences. Either you lose time. Right. Or, or, you know, you, you lose out on, like, intel. Um, I wanted, exactly. like, <clears throat> there to be a consequence so that it is a thing that matters, um, right, you know, y- y- choosing choosing your deck is an important aspect because you can arrive at the scene and not have what you need and lose out on an opportunity. Um, right. So, yeah, yeah, there had to be there had to be consequences. Um, yeah, and I and I always try to keep that in mind. It's fun. It's fun not knowing to expect, but also me being the indecisive person that I am. I'm just, like, looking at these programs, and I'm like, oh, my God, I want to use this program, but what if I don't need it, but what if I do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it's just, yep. it's fun. It's fun. All right, Demi, you've uh, you've answered a couple questions now. Uh, it's turn, your turn to ask one. Okay. Um, all right, Gavin, this is going to be a question for you, and... um. What is your process of coming up with music for the show? Okay, so um, this is from this is from uh, Daniel, one of our patrons, and he and I have he and I have uh, talked about it a little bit, um, just because I, I know him personally and he's a good friend of mine. Um, but I so I draw a lot of inspiration from. Well, I'll start. I'll start by saying this. I wanted each character to have a feel, a soundscape that kind of like was theirs, um, and so that is that's the that's the baseline. Uh, is kind of like it's a it's a Wagnerian approach, like like Richard Wagner um, to like writing opera. Like each character in the story has a uh, has like their own you know um like solo line or 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 instrument that that represents them and so i wanted that to be kind of like the center of how i went about things um and i can i I definitely think like for the for the most part i've stuck to that uh for for abel i i always felt like kind of like a like a dark jazzy feel 
uh, to her character because she's wow. the media. Yeah, she's the media who who you know asks the tough questions. It it has a very noir feel, um, and uh, and then for like Soi Fang Ji, I didn't want like any real instruments involved because you know you are almost a mechanical person. Um, you're very disconnected from your your you know acoustic or 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 real meat body. Um, so I wanted a lot of like synths and electronics um, involved in in that. Uh, and then Saul was kind of like a Saul's kind of complex. Um, there's there's layers to him. Um, there's the external layer that he like presents to people, and then there's the deeper layers that uh, you know he kind of guards off. Um, and so like each aspect of him kind of has to be peeled away. Um, and so that's, that's how I kind of broke down the characters as far as inspiration for like different tracks. I mean, we record something and then I'd say, boy, that, that scene really feels like it needs music, uh, just to kind of give it that extra pump. And then, you know, I thought about like, the feel and the tone and, and setting instruments that, that I thought conveyed that best. Um, and, uh, the process was mostly like, I have a, I have a, an app on my, on my iPad that, um, it gives you like five different instrument types and, uh, you can kind of it, it's mostly like for creating like instrument like uh, electronic instrument loops um and i'd start i'd use that as like a jumping off point um it would like give you like a, a pre-generated thing um uh, if i didn't know what i was where i wanted to go with something like a motive and uh i'd just generate one of those on, on its own and then kind of build around it uh for a feel I like a lot of 8-bit music. I like a lot of electronic music. I like stuff that's got kind of like a like a punchy rock uh, EDM feel. So that's um, that's at the at the core, like especially like the fight music. I wanted to just be like, what if what if vampires were shooting each other in a nightclub? Um, and that's, <laughs> that's usually like my, my go-to sound for, for like fights. So your main inspiration um, was Blade, the, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That first scene, that first scene in Blade where he busts into the bar and just fucking lays waste to a bunch of vampires, uh, partying in a nightclub. Um, and then like, if you've ever played the game, uh, Fury, it's a, it's a, um, it's a game that's only boss battles. So like every every level is is it's its own like boss battle and you've got like a sword and a gun and you're kind of like a ninja. Um it's a very challenging game, but I love the music from it and each one is like a different or, or, or is written by like a different uh EDM artist like Scaddle does one. Um and yeah, so so I I definitely pulled a lot of inspiration from that soundtrack, um, but I I could talk a lot about 
what inspired me to make the music uh and it would probably be very boring uh so i'll just i'll just leave it at what i've said uh and we can can we can go on to talk about st- other stuff uh, the the continued answer will be for part two the, se- the yeah. second year anniversary <laughs> yeah i'll just literally pick up where i was and just keep going who want to do the next question okay i'll do the next one too all right this is also like a question that i've been wondering so <laughs> i'm just gonna go with it and i just I also want to know, like, what happens to people's upgrades if they finance them and, like, aren't able to pay the debt. Like, are they repoed? <laughs> or is there some kind of, like, signal that disable them so they, like, no longer work? Or, like, what happens? Um, yeah, so, well, this is, you're, you're uniquely, like, positioned uh, as Soifang G to want to know the information. <laughs> Uh, for this, but um, I think uh, uh, Popper touches on it a little bit um, when she's talking to Saul, and the entire basis of the Rippers um, is is around this. They they are an ex- organization that exists um, to basically just repossess things. They repossess organs and body parts and artificial limbs and cybernetics. And so the, the concept, um, which I, I really love, is that there is like, you know, any th- there is this, this, this agreement, right, that you, you owe money for this thing that you've put into your body. And it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to whoever you bought it from until you paid them off. And at any point in time, that contract can be severed and somebody is sent out to settle the account. Um, and the rippers are kind of the, the filler for this. Um, and like characters like Amir um, spend a lot of their time going to people who have accumulated too much debt and say, uh, saying ostensibly, hey, you've got a pancreas or you've got a kidney um, that's worth money. You can you can pay for this this cybernetic arm that you've bought or these cosmetic upgrades that you've bought. Um, I just need, you know, a limb or a, a, an organ. And, you know, that's how they get most of their their crop. And some people, unfortunately, have accumulated so much debt that they don't even own their own body anymore. Um, and it's because there this is a hyper-capitalist state and because there are sort of no limitations, medically speaking, anymore, people, you know, oh, I, I don't have 50 grand to pay you back. Well, that's fine. You don't own your body anymore. You've, you owe much too much money and I'm going to take that body and I'm going to, you know, pull your consciousness out of it. And now somebody else gets to use it. Um, and so, so that's an aspect that I've, I played a lot, a lot with, uh, and, and Popper's character definitely hinted at this, uh, as part of their backstory is, you know, they were somebody who belonged to a corporation and had a lot of, uh, corporate enhancements and they, 
they severed ties with that that company and so everything that's put into them is also severed as well Hmm. okay so i find this i find that very interesting because it's also like since sokonji like has been in debt with sahara so long there's always like this like moment of are they going to come for me or like what are they gonna do about these enhancements? So it's it's very it's yeah. very interesting to like wonder like what Sokunji's ultimate fate could be if she doesn't manage to ever pay off her debt. Gonna have a moment of silence for the guess what? You there's no more there's no repo the genetic opera, it's just refinance with your soul. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's fucking just lit. do a little organ bartering. <laughs> oh, it's more than an organ bartering at that point. That's eating your consciousness out of your body. You're just a meat puppet now. I mean, unless you can, like, trade your kidney for your, your mechanical arm. Fuck, I don't think, think Soifanji had that many, like, organs left to do so. Oh, uh, no. I mean, Soifanji can't, but, like, well, that's <laughs> it what I'm just at that point, I feel like if if like Soifungi went AWOL before any like debt was fully settled, Sahara might just like send somebody out to catch you while you're doing whatever, and then upload a fucking any sort of file into you, and then bam, you're Robo Robo Soifungi. Right, that's what I want to know. Like, is there like a signal that I could just be turned off? <laughs> now it's just a vegetable. Like, what's going well, on? <laughs> so, well, we'll probably find out. We'll probably so, find out in the future. Hopefully not, but so, shit. Well, uh, let's do a lightning round um, with with question number nine. Who is the scariest corporation in Pilatus in everyone's minds? So I just want a quick answer from each of you. Who's the scariest corporation to you, and why? Original bi- original one was Biotechnica. Now it's um, Sahara because Saul knows that they're both hiding things. Bam. Uh, for Sarfungi, it's also Sahara because they like basically own me, and they can like replace our bodies with chips. It's a very like it's very advanced and it's very interesting. But Sarfungi also finds it like low key terrifying. Uh, the nomads because they're the least tied to the capitalist society yeah i would say i would say that the uh yeah the nomads don't count as a as a as a corporation but they are a criminal organization and therefore a valid answer um and they they definitely have their own agenda and uh are competitors to to the the quote-unquote you know legal operations yeah, so, and yeah. That's, I mean, I don't think A will seize anything is in terms of legal and illegal, um, just because there's like right there's so there's no morality tied with law at all in Pilates in Abel's mind. So there's no um, like black, white, good, bad kind of thing. It's just this is what's acceptable in this district. This is what's acceptable in this district. This is what's acceptable in this building within this district, and they're all subject. Yeah. All right. Uh, 
Saul, why don't you ask one? All right, since we're down to just three questions. Okay, number three. Number three. All right, Gavin, what's your favorite aspect of Pilates? Uh, that's a tough question because we've we've t- we've touched on a lot of them. Um, I love the. Well, I think probably my favorite aspect of Pilates um, is the the dichotomy between like uh expressionism and uniformity because there's a lot like <clears throat> there's there are a lot of characters within the corporate world uh especially like npcs and stuff that have personality and and have like quirks that are associated with them and um i i love playing that against the pushback of you know conformity and and a kind of like perfect corporate um behavioral like you know you are a suit this is how you should act this is who you are um kind of kind of idea and especially like sahara is is a, is a prime example where characters you know don't have names they have they have colors uh and so it's like you know you don't know who this person really is but this is how they are presenting themselves because they exist in this in this structure um and so that's i i love that that interchange that interplay between between um individualism and and conformity yeah that's cool 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 I think I know what question we should probably end it on. So I'll, I'll yoink the reins real quick and ask another one. So for each associate, um, what hobbies do you guys have that uh, the audience might not know? Like, what's a secret hobby that, you know, Soyfungi, Abel, and Saul may have that no one really knows about? Okay, so Soyfungi likes VR porn. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Oh god. Oh fuck. Oh god, that's gonna make it real weird whenever oh god, if we're ever like sleeping all in the same room and you know Saul and Abel are but, actually asleep. But, but I, oh fuck. Is, is that what you've been doing every time Saul wakes up from like some weird abduction dream? It's just you're like quickly closing all the fucking browsers cause mom's walking down well, behind you. Walking down the stairs behind you, well, and you're like, "Oh fuck! Oh shit!" But in the case of Soyfungi, is very interesting because she watches like VR porn as like a form of education. Since growing up as an assassin, she doesn't have like a conventional method of like like sexual growth. Like no one taught her anything. Oh so. god! <laughs> There's so 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 so, so like Soyfungi's the Soyfungi's the incel that like thinks that sex is like porn that's no it's like watching diy videos on youtube where you're like i think i know how to fix yeah. the sink but you know i only understand like exactly how the parts fit together i don't necessarily know the process of putting them together but i think right. i and, can fix and it's eh, close and it's enough we'll make it work like, is always like so hypersexual when she's flirting what <laughs> at all like ties back into her like discovering like that part of herself so late <laughs> and 
just like that's so sad <laughs> so and i mean it's a very compelling reason as compared to just being like yep this is soy fun g i i like that i like the reasoning behind it it definitely yeah it gives it a whole new layer of like Oh, this isn't just Soy Fungi being very open. This is actually a very it's, sad cry for help. Well, Soy Fungi's, <laughs> like, social interactions are, like, 50% genuine, 50% social experiments. So, <laughs> as she, like, tries to, like, figure out how to, like, I guess, like, appropriately interact with others, she's gonna make some mistakes. (laughs) She's going to, like, react, like, dramatically, or, like, as she, like, feels how she should react based on her, like, quote, research, and it kind of, like, gets her into some interesting situations. (laughs) So, question... Is Sufanji like secretly ace then, or what, like what? What's what would you consider Sufanji's kind of? Where does Sufanji land on the spectrum? I would say, like, I would say Sufanji. She's not. She's not asexual because she does like sex. She's. She's just like when it comes to, like, her social cues of, like, how to initiate it, they're very... they're very borrowed (laughs) from what she researches. (laughs) So... So, like, there's... there's there's times where, like, she will be, like, extremely forward if she thinks that the situation, like, requires her being forward. Or there's times where, like, She'll try to be smooth, but but just end up being super super awkward. <laughs> and it's just she enjoys it, but like she she figures everything out like at her own pace, it, or or through her own experience. It's kind of like it's kind of like a form of like an AI like adapting based on like what it's experiencing. If that makes sense. So. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, Abel, uh, what's your, what's your hidden, um, what's your hidden, uh, what, what's it? Hobby. Uh, Abel has a like rubber ball in her backpack at all times and played wall ball a lot as a kid. Um, and like, that was how she first sort of started developing her reflexes. Uh, and now she just plays wall ball by herself. Hmm. It's actually kind of similar to like what Saul's is. He uh, he has a little set of um, like beginner locks, uh, like the clear kind of see through ones, like to pick locks. And he has a small set of those, and also some strings of like different lengths. So like if he's not really doing anything, he's trying to read something like his hands are always twitchy. So he either plays with those lock like the locks until he kind of like gets it just by feel or he'll just pull out those strings and start like making knots with his hands with them. And, you know, then work them don't out. Don't let Sufungi see those knots. Oh, no, don't worry. Constantly hidden. They're uh, they're lead laced. So, uh, you know, infrared. Now go. No scanning. No scanning. <laughs> yep. All right. 
We got one final question. This is the be-all, end-all question. Which associate would survive the longest if they all fought to the death? Sufanji. <laughs> I kind of, I think Sufanji would survive the longest. I honestly think Saul would, and I'm not just like biased because I play Saul, but I think because from I don't know if it's just because of like my gun modifier, but like I feel like every time we get into a firefight, Saul consistently kills at least two people. And I think Saul's body count is is like higher than Soifungi's by like five or so. I and then I th- I think it's I, I, I think actually Abel has a higher body count than you. Yeah, and I've been keeping I, that's what I was and I've say. been keeping track of that. And that's I think I think if Abel can't shoot her way out of a situation, she can talk her way out of a situation. That's true. Uh, yeah. So Abel's the dark horse that would definitely kill both yeah. of us. So. so, so Saul and Soifungi would be busy trying to kill each other and then like you know right as soon as like Soifungi is about to die and Saul's standing over her with a fucking machine gun it's just like one bullet goes through his head it's done. Mr. Rogers in a blood stained sweater <laughs> yes <laughs> you're just standing there and then like Soifungi's like oh, Abel you're here to help me and then just gun to the face bam I don't think Soifungi would be would think that anyone's there to help her if we're all fighting to the death though. <laughs> That's fair, but still, I don't know. I, I, I also like. I want to know what kind of equipment are we bringing in because if Saul's coming in with all of his fucking grenades and homemade explosives, uh, okay, I think it's gonna be the scenario. <laughs> the scenario is this: uh, Captain America: Civil War. You, you all have reasons that you want to murder each other. And you have, like, your full suit of armaments. Oh, boy. It's going to be wild. All I know is oh. both of them drink my chalky milk, and I am pissed. How dare either one of you drink my last chocolate milks? Mm. <laughs> it, I feel like it depends, like... Because, I mean, if I can get access, it, even momentarily... To like a like if we're inside a building and I can control the environment, I feel like Sofungi would have a like an interesting chance of like overcoming. I think so too. Yeah, but Sufungi, you also have a very obvious weakness for us in that if we can find your actual body when you're in the in the netscape. Um it's just right. Right. We just have to avoid whatever booby traps you send our way. And right. for Abel, I just have to wait until Saul indicates whatever his most explosive thing is and shoot that. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the secret. They're all in the same bag, so if I go yeah. up, somebody else's. They're all in the same bag. <laughs> Saul just needs to be able to reach in and yeet something. He doesn't fucking actually think about how safe it is. Fuck it. Yeah, Abel just has to play a catch-me-if-you-can kind of game and find the kill switch on both yeah. of you guys. I think I think Saul has a I think Saul has has one advantage um and it's not his his gunsmithing or his or his explosives it's Claudia. That is true. Yeah. Okay, so if, I mean mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't account for Claudia being like an asset that Saul could use, but I guess so. If that's the truth, then she'd be like his spidey sense. Yeah. Yeah, cuz cuz we we've, yeah. we've we've played with it and you know, so far like throughout the story, Claudia hasn't been able to interact with anything really. Uh, but yeah. she is she is an an additional sense for Saul. 
she she can she can notice things he can't um and and kind of get him out of bad situations uh just by being objective if he listens if he listens that's true all right well we got through them all i didn't think we would but we we did it guys we did it Good, good work good work everybody so i love this <laughs> i love all of you we're it's great <laughs> uh, yeah i i liked this was a good opportunity to i mean i learned i learned things i didn't know and <laughs> about, about yourself, myself. about yeah. each of us, about, about Soyfungi's sexual education. Listen, leave her alone. Okay, she has to learn. <laughs> and yeah, and I, I think it was a good, it was a good opportunity to kind of like step back and 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 examine, examine where we are, where we've been. Look toward, look forward to the future. Yeah. Salute to another another year of fun and fucking zany frenetic yeah. shit. Cheers! Yeah. And I'm gonna hit my mic. Who knows where who knows cheers where the who knows where the future is gonna take us? So I, I digress. Uh, congrats on congrats on a year, a successful year in our under our belts of of podcasting, and and here's to many more. Uh, may they be filled with uh shenanigans tomfoolery and uh and and the feels and the feels and all emotions. the feels and emotions. emotion <laughs>